Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by From Within Records. The One Teen Unity comp drops next week, August 22nd. So many awesome bands. You got new tracks from MH Chaos, Out for Justice, Envision, Despise, Hangman, Cheer Force, Lastra, Simulacra, Shackled, Choice to Make, Mourning, Restraining Order, Age of Apocalypse, and Seed of Pain. Shout out to everyone that came together to make this awesome comp happen. Shout out to Carter. This is so awesome and I'm definitely looking forward to it. So please keep your eyes open. Make sure to stream it. Go pick up a CD when it drops. Support from Within Records. They're doing amazing stuff. On today's episode, we traveled to Buffalo, New York. We tracked down Ron. We had him on a while ago. I can't remember how long it's been, but he is back a uh, great guy he's playing in two very awesome bands currently final declaration they have a new record out called the line in the sand if you've never heard it i highly suggest you hit pause and, and i mean it every time i say this when i uh, suggest you hit pause boot up your band camp your spotify whatever you use to stream music and go check this band out i think a lot of the topics that they sing about are very very relatable especially uh during today's climate and they didn't plan it that way but it's really strange how it's just so relatable these days but it's such an awesome record hard hitting and an awesome band with a great message so i'm super stoked on that band and ron also plays in another band out of syracuse new york shout out syracuse shout out my boy tom tom harris i miss you uh but he plays in a band called standalone they have a new record called whatever it takes shout out being straight edge and even if you're not straight edge i still love you but uh i i told ron during the podcast standalone this record whatever it takes it's just it just has me like feeling so proud to be straight edge when i listen to this record so once again if you're not familiar please i highly suggest you hit pause go to the Bandcamp, spotify and stream whatever it takes by standalone out of syracuse new york seriously so awesome but i love talking to ron it was great catching up with him i hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as i did so please without further ado welcome ron to the show All right, and we're live. Welcome back to the podcast, Ron. Yeah, it's good to be back. A long time no talk, man. Yeah, it, it's only a trip because you were, uh, I feel like, uh, on the podcast pretty early on, and we've definitely grown a lot since the last time we've had you on. And I, I know that you've grown a lot as a person. You've had like a, a bunch of changes in your life. So I'm just really stoked to finally be able to have you back on the podcast. Yeah, and it's uh, good to see, you know, you grow and, and uh it's been crazy seeing you know the moves you've been making kind of the names you've been getting so it's cool to be kind of you know one of the kind of early uh guests here on the show it was me and nick I remember the last time they were on and we had a good time and i know we had something scheduled before and you know sometimes things just kind of fall through but it's absolutely good we're here now 
Yeah, hell yeah. And I, I and it, it was crazy because way back then when we had talked about you coming back on the podcast, you had told me that you're doing new music and you wanted to try to time it uh, with the new band coming out. And I, I was like super down to do it. And then obviously, you know, scheduling issues, whatever. But I uh, will never forget. I was it was literally the day before FYA. And um, and this is me talking about final declaration. Uh, me and my buddy is like we landed in Orlando because we, we flew from uh, California, landed in Orlando. Then we were just going to drive down to Tampa. And I'll never forget, you know, uh, getting the notification that uh, the new record was up on Bandcamp for final decoration. And I was like, hey, like, and I remember telling everybody in the van because we'd be like uh, running some van. I was like, yeah, I was like, I was like, hey, like, is it cool if I put on my buddy's new band? He just put this out like I've never heard it. I'm just kind of curious. And. I remember we were literally on like the freeway headed to Tampa listening to the new record and everybody was kind of like surprised, right? Oh, like, like, who is this? Like you're friends with people in this band. And I was, I was like, yeah, this is like crazy. Like, you know, th- like we were all like you know, jamming out to the record and really digging it. So uh, I, I was just really stoked and uh, really happy to finally be able to talk to you about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the reception we got for being kind of a fresh new band uh, was definitely uh, not what we expected. Um, you know, coming out of the gate with an LP is definitely kind of uh, a bolder statement, but we were combing at it at first. It's just like, let's write as many songs as we can. We'll pick the best of the litter and we'll put out a demo. And then I, I presented the idea. I was like, dude, all of these songs, they're cohesive. If we play them in this order, it's, it's a whole piece. Like I can't in, you know, good thought, you know, just put five out and then save the three for a promo or something. I'm like, we got to just put them all out. So we went, we went and booked the studio. It was uh, myself, uh, Donnie, um, our guitarist. He played in uh, Burn Book. He actually was one of the original bassists from uh, Cute Is What We Aim For. And he's actually in the Curse of Curves uh, music video. <laughs> um, and he, he has quite the resume with bands and stuff he's been in, but his most notable acts were uh, Burn Book and Cute Is What We Aim For. Um, and then Evan, he's been booking shows here in Buffalo for years and years, and uh, he's never been in a band. And he was like, I just want to give this a shot. He messaged me and Don. He was like, do you guys want to do something, you know, kind of heavier? And all the projects I've been a part of so far have kind of been things that I'm kind of mildly interested in with hardcore. You know, like I like punk and I like faster New York hardcore stuff. And I'm honestly a big Metallica fan, so Selective Progression was good for like the crossover metal side of things. But I just wanted to straight up kind of like break down heavy, heavier type of group. So I was like, yeah, let's just go for it. And that summer, it took us like a month. We wrote that entire LP. Uh, and then it was last August. I tracked tracking. It was finished off around late October. We recorded it at uh, World of Noise. Uh, with our good buddy uh, Nick, and uh, it was it came out right around the new year, and we had about a month, probably about two months before you know the world kind of shut down, where we got to play around Buffalo and upstate, and we had a couple of gigs lined up out of state, but then you know the world kind of shifted, but we're kind of taking it as is, and uh, so far I think the LP got a pretty good for you know a new band that. Didn't really have too much, you know, hyping up for it. We were just like, hey, we wrote these songs. We like them. Let's just put them out. 
Yeah, there's definitely a, a lot to unpack there. I'm I'm still tripping out at the uh, the guy playing in Cute is what we aim for. Is I was uh, you know into that band. I saw them like a bunch of times, and I, I remember one time I I saw them. It was uh, the it was the AP tour, and they played at the Glass House, and they were playing right before Circus Survive, and they were getting booed. People didn't want to see them. People just wanted them to get off the stage so Circus could play. And I remember the singer talking about how, like, uh, you know, he understands that, you know, everybody in the room might not be into their music. And he was just explaining about how he was into all types of different music. And then he was talking about, like, Blood for Blood. Like, it, it was just so weird. I was like, what the hell? I was like, why is this guy, like, up here at this AP tour talking about Blood <laughs> yeah, for Blood? Yeah. It was, like, such a trip to me. And I was like, wow, I was like, these guys know about hardcore. That's, that's like, you know, pretty awesome. Uh, so for you, you know, to tell me that uh, the, the guy in your band used to play bass and he was waiting for that, that's just, like, a trip for me because... I, I've definitely seen that band plenty of times. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how much of a pivotal role he, uh, he played. I know he was there for like the early days. They are a Buffalo band. Um, so, uh, you know, he was around at that point in time. I'm the youngest on the band currently. Uh, I'm I'm around 23 and I don't want to reveal their ages, but they're, they're, uh, they're they got a couple years on me, which, you know, uh, more experience, I guess, with the whole thing. And, uh, you know, I, I, I love them too. We actually uh, are basis, um, you know, with everything going on, special him, which is like, that's fine. You know, if you go your own way and it'll be cool. We're, no beef or anything on that end. But, uh, and it's not like we're in any crazy rush to find somebody to help us play live anyways. So, um, yeah, he, he played for uh, Cutest One We Aim For for a little bit. And then uh, he, honestly, I wish, I could have grabbed him to be on here. He's got so many stories about stuff. He, um, <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll save it. I'm sure I'll get him in one day and I'll, I'll have him tell some of his stories, but they're, okay. they're good. I'm down. Um, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's cool having, you know, somebody with like that much experience and stuff. Cause it just felt like, I was already kind of ahead of the curve with some of the bands that I was in before with like getting things figured out and, you know, all we got, how we're going to print merch and things. And, you know, Nick and uh, Brett and all them, they're, they're got their heads on pretty good as well with, you know, kind of the way that the music stuff works. But I felt like I was kind of on par with them as well. So just having somebody that is like even more experienced, um, kind of shy opening, like how much you think, you know, and then, these guys swoop in and it's like, all right, yeah, it's all good. Like, okay, we're going to have the, they already have the dates booked. We're going to have Taylor Young mix it and stuff. So it was, it was pretty cool just seeing it all just come together like that. Yeah. I, I think it was awesome to be able to see, uh, you know, Taylor Young's name tied to this because he, he does an awesome job um, over there helping bands out at the pit. So um, a, a, anytime I see his name tied to anything, I'm like, damn, like it, it's always like super solid. Evan, our vocalist, is actually pretty good friends uh, with him, and um, we were just like, hey, we should hit him up, see what we would work with. I mean, I worked with him before with uh, Selective Regression. We did an EP back in 2018, and he mixed it, and, you know, it was a good experience working with him. I know, you know, you know, in hindsight, looking back, he was uh, actually on that European tour with uh, Vane, um, in Code Orange, I'm pretty sure at that time. And mm. I guess it was not a very pleasant experience. So the fact that he was still able to be so considerate and nice to us, even though it wasn't the best 
of experience that he has in his craft and just making sure everything sounds good. So I was so happy to be able to work with him again. And, you know, mostly it was Evan communicating, but still, it was still cool to see that he was interested still. So that's awesome. Yeah, one thing that caught me by surprise was when you told me that you were doing this new band, I just assumed that you were playing bass again. And it wasn't until I saw a live video of you guys until I realized, wow, like Ron's not playing bass. He's actually drumming for the band. And I was like so surprised because I had no idea that you could play the drums at all. And when I you know, saw you doing it like live, I was like, wow, I was like, he's actually good at the drums. Like I had no idea you had that talent. So I, I was just like really curious. Like, like, have you always known how to play the drums or did you pick it up just for this band? Yeah. So actually I've been playing drums since, I was about nine in uh, like the fourth grade. It was actually kind of uh, like kind of always a thing with me. Like I was always in the school bands and stuff, playing in the jazz band, playing for the musicals and stuff like that. And I actually picked up like quite the uh, reputation at my high school for, you know, kind of being better with the drums. You know, whenever the chorus needed help with something, I was always there for it. And uh, I actually like for my senior year when it was like our last day of school, they would always do the thing for the seniors. Like we'll just walk across the stage in front of everybody just saying, Hey, what's up? Just like cat super casual. And they started letting like the band, the seniors play like a song. So uh, that year was when whiplash came out that movie with uh, uh, Miles Teller and um, I can't forget. It's where the really harsh college director is going hard on the drummer and it ends with this like super big solo and they're like yeah you can just go ahead and do that in front of the entire school and i was like this is some like this is some literally some stuff you see out of a movie so i've always played the drums i've um and even it's like the progression i actually played drums for that band but then you know there was kind of a gap uh where we were uh in buffalo where they needed people to play bass and i figured you know it's time to kind of get out the kit for a little bit so uh it actually turned the tide to where I went from playing bass in all my bands to now I actually switched to drums for standalone and final declaration. But, you know, I'm never opposed to, you know, doing what the band needs. And as long as my input's there, it's cool. So you may see me playing bass or final declaration. You never know. Okay, for sure. I, I, I like the versatility. I, I feel like that's awesome. And, uh, you know, an important thing for you to be able to do, because uh, I feel like, uh, whenever I had a quest to try to start a band, like the holdup that we always have was trying to find somebody that could play the drums. So the fact that, you know, you're willing to do either bass or drums, I, I feel like that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's, it's definitely. Good. And, um, you know, I, I'm not confident enough to play guitar live yet. <laughs> I, uh, but I'm cool enough to where if you were to be like, hey, we need you to play bass for, you know, an upcoming tour or just a show or something, and they give me like a couple weeks, I'll, I'll be fine to hop on it. So um, definitely good to have that in your back pocket, you know, bust out the Seinfeld theme song whenever you want, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, you know, I- I'm really glad that you guys did this release with all eight tracks because it does flow really well from you know the first track to the last track i I never feel like um anything sounds out of place i feel like it's just uh you know straight to the point hard hitting and you can definitely tell i'm afraid that is actually listening to the music or reading to the lyrics it you know has 
uh, you know, strong messages. So I'm like seriously like stoked that you guys didn't break it up or you know just try to do like you know promos or like a like a demo and just kind of you know split it all up. I, I I think it's like a it was a good move for you guys to just keep them all together and just do you know one solid release for the first one. Yeah, and um, you know, Evan's really sound-minded with his ideology and things like that, and we're all pretty much in agreement with you know some pretty important stuff going on. So uh, it's a very politically driven record, which um, none of my other projects really have had that kind of flavor dashed in. So it was very good because I'm like, I'm always an advocate. As a matter, I remember I was in high school about to graduate in 2015, um, 2015 when you know the movement first started with Michael Brown, and I was always you know one to try and change people's perspective on the whole thing because it's not necessarily a, grew up in kind of a uh like a, a waiter high school it actually it's a kind of i in niagara falls it's wrong with the high school uh kind of fixating on high school a lot. I, I promise i'm past that point in my life it's just relevant to the story um Sorry, it was yeah uh basically it's just like i've always been one to advocate for stuff like that so it's good to uh put it on the record and so much of what we talked about just kind of became right to the forefront through this entire year so far, which definitely has had, you know, some crazy events going on. So it's, it's wild that we didn't necessarily have the foresight to see just how relevant the things we were going to, you know, we're saying would become with the forefront, even four or five months after the record even came out. Yeah. I don't think anybody could have predicted the state of the country right now, uh, especially back then. Cause I, uh, spoke about it on like a couple other podcasts that you know the beginning of the year was like so like happy and you know it's like you know like we got a fresh start into the new year and I was like super stoked like I, I traveled to FYA and I was just looking forward to the rest of the year and uh, you know it just took like a quick you know left turn and uh, it just hasn't corrected course yet and it's, it's just such a trip that we're here uh, you know early August and things are still pretty bad and doesn't look like it's going to get better anytime soon so it's something like a trip and i i i I agree like the the record right now feels like way more relevant than when it dropped so it's something pretty interesting that uh you know like i was like jamming it earlier today and i was like man i was like this is like insane how like relevant these lyrics are in these songs like are to the times right now it's it's just strange But, but, but i think it's cool i feel like this is something that uh, people like uh, should be like checking out and uh, you know uh, should be diving deep and kind of like trying to get the deeper message on, on these like songs especially like during these current times yes and it's just like you know we initially wrote the song um, song two in the record cause of death um, you know we wrote those lyrics I remember we we're in uh, Donnie's house just all of us together it was a collaborative effort for the lyrics for the most part and that was a song that we were kind of sitting there just like are we going too hard? Should we not, you know, there's one line in particular that we're arguing about it's the last line of the song where we say the new clan is wearing badges. Mm. And, you know, some of us were like, that might be too much. We might be really pushing the envelope, but it's like with a topic like that, that's what you have to do to get the point across. Cause some people, you know, can't necessarily understand fully the actual horror of, of the situation until they're presented with something like that. And it's honestly not that far from the truth. And it has been that far from the truth for a long time. So uh, when everything happened with George Floyd and um, 
it really came to the forefront again with the nation with uh, Black Lives Matter and you know the movement to defund the police. Uh, we actually put up a shirt uh, for uh, it was initially for the Minnesota Freedom Fund, but then uh, they actually were overfunded, so they uh, advised anybody looking to donate to actually disperse the funds um, to kind of local chapters and things like that. So uh, with the total sales of the shirt, it's just the front of it was just the album cover and the back was the lyric that we argued about the the new clan is wearing badges and it was even still an argument up until we posted about the shirts coming out and um you know we sold uh, a good number of them we ended up saving over a thousand dollars for uh black love resists in the rust it's just a local chapter um that donates towards you know uh bail bonds and things like that in buffalo new york in western new york so um definitely uh, a good thing that we're able to do and I'm uh, even just a drop in the bucket but still it uh, probably helped out at least a little and that's the least that we could do so uh, definitely crazy to see how much impact you know even a band we only played six shows at that time we're able to raise that amount so I know a lot of bands soon after were doing similar things you know I saw Jesus Peace actually uh, Jesus Peace use the same company that we use to have the shirts printed. And we were on back order for a little bit with the company because they were already kind of short staffed due to COVID restrictions. And then they had to print, like, I think it was an absurd number, like 17,000 shirts for Jesus Peace. And it's like, it's amazing that they were able to do that and help out with the cost. So messages um, from people asking, hey, where's our shirts? I'm like, we're trying, <laughs> we're trying. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, the best we could offer with the pandemic and everything. So oh. at, at least helping is the least we could do. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's awesome. I, I, it's a very, uh, 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 it was a cool thing to be able to see the whole hardcore community come together and, uh, you know, all the bands that uh, came together and wanted to put out merch to raise money to donate. Uh, you know, there were so many awesome bands that did that. And I, I thought it was a very eye opening thing that, uh, you know, we all came together and we were able to support each other for these, uh, you know, all these different movements. And it, it was cool to see that the majority of us were all on the same side. And I, you know, I, I and I thought it was cool that people got offended at certain shirts because it kind of like, you know, it, it kind of revealed them like, OK, so. So it's like yeah like we're on like you know uh, you know different sides of this like issue and it's really strange but also like it's the reality that there are people who do support uh you know the cops and you know uh, the kkk and weird shit like that uh, so for us to be able to kind of finally um you know start trying to push for real change and you know kind of put it out there on the forefront and uh, not really care about you know people getting offended about that stuff i i thought it was really really amazing for, for bands like like you guys like you mentioned jesus peace uh god's hate mind forces like all the bands that uh took the time to um, try to uh, just make any kind of impact you know whether it be big or small i feel like everybody's contribution was really important yeah absolutely and uh i know I, I kind of feel a little weird throwing like an actual number out. That was hyperbole. I don't know if Jesus Peace actually sold 17,000. So I'm not sure if anybody would uh, want to quote me and count their numbers for them, but it was, uh, <laughs> yes. just wanted to make that clear. But yes, that was, was still, uh, it, 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 uh, that was mainly directed towards the IRS, not 17,000. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I just wanted to make sure, uh, uh, you know, we're not counting numbers here, but, for sure. 
yeah, anything that you can do helps. And, um, you know, I, uh, the pandemic, I feel like people are just kind of almost um, itching to want to help, but they don't know how. And, you know, some people don't feel comfortable going out and protesting. Um, some people don't know where to donate. So it's cool that the band gave the channel to be like, hey, we will allocate money and we will do it for you. And, you know, everybody was showing receipts, showing, hey, we donated here. Um, so it was just really awesome to see, you know, it looked like for like a week or two, every band had a cool shirt going out. I was like, damn, I wish I had enough money to <laughs> grab all these to help out and, you know, kind of get my collection going. But, uh, you know, it's just, just cool to see so many channels. Yeah, no, and and, and it just kind of uh, kind of reaffirms m- m- my stance on why I love being a part of hardcore and just trying to do my best to help support it. And, uh, just seeing these causes, just like just everybody come together, it, it just like kind of tripped me out because like you, you think about this whole pandemic, we've all been absent from shows, and we've just kind of had our presence on like social media. People like you know there has been bands putting out records and we've been able to stream them and still, you know, order stuff, but not really see them live. So the fact that everybody is still willing to support these bands that haven't been able to play shows, I, I, I just thought it was like such a, a, a cool thing. And, and also it was cool that like, yeah, like you, you take a step back and you look at hardcore and yeah, we're some weird subculture, but the, the amount of impact that we had on like this bigger issue, it was just so cool to see. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, it's just, it's awesome to be a part of it. And, um, you know, I turn around where we can, you know, be safe and play shows again, but for the time being, just for everybody's health and safety, I think right now everybody's doing what they can. You know, a lot of bands are doing live streams or posting just small sets of, you know, just them in their basement. Actually, we have one in our back pocket for final decoration. My, uh, friend that I grew up with, he runs like a production company and he wants to do like a, uh, like a COVID showcase. He was calling it where just local artists in Western New York, just submitting their, uh, any type of music video or live thing that they did just to kind of be like, Hey, this is the talent we got going on. And, you know, don't forget about it. So I just want to give a shout out to tank tank Productions. Uh, truly a day one that I've known himself in kindergarten. And he reached out to us and made, filmed a small set and we've been waiting for the right moment just because at the time uh when the date was set for it it was literally like the first week of the uh of the george floyd and the black lives matter and all the protests and things going on so um they had the live stream but we didn't post it on our own just because we wanted to have that be highlighted Mm -hmm. didn't want to take away from the message but um we're still looking to uh you know pull it out in the right manner we'll just uh we're just kind of waiting for it, but you know, it's just a quick three song set. Uh, we recorded it and, and, uh, sure we'll work it out and get it out at some point in the future. Yeah. And I'm down. Cause I feel like you mentioned earlier, you guys have only played six shows, the record drop at the beginning of the year. So it's just like, there's not a whole lot of content out there for us to consume on final, uh, final declaration, excuse me. So I'm definitely looking forward to hearing that. Um, can you talk about which songs you guys played in that, uh, for those three song set? Well, um, when we initially recorded it, uh, it was, as I said, like towards the beginning of June, which was right when, you know, it was all you could see online, all you could see on the news, rightfully so, just 
George Floyd deserves justice, Black Lives Matter. So we dedicated the entire set to uh, George Floyd, Ahmaud Taylor, and uh, I'm sorry. Um, we uh, basically just p- opened up with cause of death, uh, rolled into um, uh, world decision, nothing but pain, and then close it out with line in the sand. So just kind of really quick. I don't even think it's more than 10 minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. just to kind of show, hey, we're still a thing. And if you haven't checked this out, here's just an easy way to do it. Uh, we did actually just recently have um, the Hate Five Six video be posted. We opened for Terror. Uh, it was a uh, charity show in Buffalo in early December. It was a toy drive. So in order to actually get a ticket, you had to donate a toy. So uh, it was Terror, Wildside, and uh, a couple of local bands from Buffalo are escaping me right now. But we opened for it, and it was I want to say our second show. So uh, Evan threw it together. So it was, we raised a lot for there. And, and you know, we've always been a band that uh, wants to have a message and pull for a cause. So it's definitely cool to see that we're able to at least make a difference, you know, here and there in some respect, because uh, it's, it's easy to just kind of go up and um, just, you know, write, write songs that are catchy and, you know, hard hitting or whatever. And the lyrics kind of fall short, but when you stand behind what you're talking about, that's where I think that's what makes hardcore so great. Uh, it's, it's cool to stand behind something. So, so, uh, so forward with the, with the message. Yeah. You, you mentioned that song line in the sand and I think it fucking starts so sick where you, you know, you scream bang the war drum and it just goes in so hard. So I love that song, but I, I think it is really important to, to, to have a message because, uh, and it's this thing that's been like, you know, it's uh, been stuck with me for like the past like week. I, I talked about it on a podcast that I, that I just did the other day. Um, I was listening to this other podcast called uh, Turned Out a Punk, and it's with uh, the guest is Nick Woj, uh, and he was on two times. So I listened to both episodes, and I can't remember which one, which episode it was that he talked about it, but he basically went in and was talking about how he feels like the cerebral aspect of hardcore is kind of lost in that, you know, uh, these days, uh, you know, bands just kind of go up there and. Uh, you know write stuff for you know kids just to march to and like there's really not like a lot of bands out there uh, doing it like with a message so the fact that you bring that up i i think it is really important like for people to be able to go out there do a band and have a message because you can impact people's lives and not even know it and so uh, for you guys to be able to go out there and have this uh, you know really strong message i think it's it's really important and i feel like more bands need to do that if that makes sense yeah, and, um, you know, it's something we've always uh, been kind of proud of, you know, showcasing. And um, it's, it's all about showing support for your community and showing support for those who need it. Um, and, you know, every song in that LP is about something that we truly believe in. And it's only just been exasperated with uh, the current situation with the world. So uh, it's cool to kind of see stuff like that fulfilled. So. Right now, the only thing that you can really see of us playing live would be the Hate Five Six video, and then we got that live video in the back pocket. So I'm sure we'll post it soon. I'll I'll keep you posted. I'll shoot you a text as soon as we're like, hey, we're gonna put it out, you know, Friday <laughs> or, or whenever, you know. Um, so uh, yeah, it's just all about waiting for the right timing and um, 
where we we're working on new music and stuff too, which I'm sure a lot of bands are doing because you know a lot of free time and stuff and just a good time to you know reflect on the LP and what we feel we could have done better. And I'm already feeling very confident with the songs that we have written, so I'm excited to you know have them be realized in some manner. So uh, definitely a lot of good stuff on the final declaration and to look forward to in the near future is that strange for you to already be writing new music when like i i feel like the the record dropped in january you guys have only played six shows and uh you know due to the pandemic and the uh, current situation and yeah people have been able to you know stream the record check it out but since you guys haven't really been able to gone out there and uh perform and get it in front of more people uh you guys uh think it's weird to be writing new stuff and maybe even put out another record before people really get to see the first one live yeah that's definitely something that we're considering it's just that with you know the timing of the lp it's um it just feels like the right time to just kind of start the next chapter of what we're going to be doing next Mm -hmm. i mean in hindsight and and you know with reflecting we actually wrote the lp over about a year ago now so um those songs are kind of a little bit older in our memory. And while they may not have been realized to the public as much, uh, just considering, you know, just to kind of keep the, the flames going with everything where um, we're just practicing here and there uh, when we can and um, at least getting some new stuff written. But it does feel a little bit weak soon, but I feel like the best way in today's environment uh, to stay engaged with people is to put out as much, you know, a co- quality content as frequently as possible. So, you know, uh, a year apart, I mean, I'm not guaranteeing anything large like an LP, but we'll at least have something out soon to where, you know, the name will be brought up in discussion again without being like, oh, didn't that come out in January? Um, especially since, you know, it may be well into 2021 when we can actually play out of town. So, um it's just, it's, this is a lot of unmarked territory for a lot of bands. And I think we're just trying to figure out what the best strategy is. Actually, with Standalone, um, that band, the journey I've taken with that band in the last year has just been like, I've <laughs> been hit with stop after stop <laughs> for about the last 12 months. I um, So I, it's a lot of, you know, figuring out what's best, how to market things best, and what's best, obviously, for not just yourself as the band, but the listener, too. Like, what what do I think that they would want from us in terms of content? You know what I mean? Yeah, I honestly, I, I'm not going to lie. I, things were kind of quiet, like, you know, like on my end uh, when I was, like, you know, looking at Standalone as a band, and I was just, like, really curious, like, huh, like, I, I wonder if they are going to, uh, you know, put anything out or do anything and then uh i woke up one day and i saw the you know 1240 records post and i was like oh shit like stanlin like got like they have new music out i, I gotta go check this out so i i was like you know pleasantly surprised at new music from standalone so uh, i'm you know kind of curious about uh, you know what that journey has been like for you for this past year um with the band yeah so um about last summer you know um at the time, it was myself, Nick, and we talked to you last time, uh, Mason, who was uh, 
he, he was younger at the time. I believe he was around 15. And Sam from Syracuse. And so it was mostly three dudes from Buffalo and one guy from Syracuse. And um, we, I mostly wrote the, uh, the instrumentals for the demo. And then I started working on, you know, new songs and stuff. And I mostly worked on it uh, by myself. And then um, Nick got pretty busy with the Elite. And then Mason joined him with the Elite as well. And with Mason being so young and Nick already having his hands tied with, you know, he's in all sorts of projects, you know, Bear No Shame, now he's in Exhibition, and um, the elite now known as um, Violent Way in Buffalo. Um, they, He was like, I don't really know if I can juggle all of this. And, like, it wasn't anything personal at all. It was just in terms of how much, you know, involvement he had with the creative process it was mostly me for standalone so i can actually understand you know wanting to pursue your own creative endeavor so i don't hold anything against him for that at all and mason he was young he was in high school um i'm pretty sure he was going to sophomore year at the time mm-hmm. so uh especially with wanting to play out of town and out of state even that's not even necessarily like <laughs> within you know in some states like legal jurisdiction to have somebody under 16 without you know their parents there so we're just like this is an obstacle we're gonna have to overcome and it just seemed right to be like you know what mason he actually presented he's like i just don't think i can you know have time to do this and it's like honestly that's fine <laughs> we're we're gonna try and figure it out anyway so i had all these songs written in my back pocket and then um you know, actually trying to teach them to Nick and Mason. And then, you know, we kind of went our different ways, which, you know, got nothing but love for those guys. And it's not like no malice at all. I, I seriously wish them the best. And they um, actually, uh, Violent Way, previously the Elite, just put out in uh, seven inch. Um, so uh, definitely some good tunes. It's a lot of kind of oi punk with a bit of uh, kind of older New York hardcore influence. So it's it's seriously some of the best music to come out of Buffalo, in my opinion. So uh, definitely advise you check that out if you haven't. Um, but I had these songs and actually had dates with uh, Jay Zabricki. I worked with him before on a few projects. And it's always a fun time working with Jay. Uh, and if you're ever... If anybody listening is ever interested in coming to Buffalo and recording and you can't get in a session in with Jay, I highly recommend it. It's worth every dollar. And the guys, I was looking forward to getting these, you know, these tracks recorded. And I was like, oh man, I don't really know. So I actually had to go in because we didn't have, you know, concrete members at the time for standalone. And I didn't want to cancel on Jay because, you know, I, I just, I, I'm just weird about things like that. Like I don't like, you know, even missing out on obligations and stuff. So I was like, I'm just going to go ahead. I went and I tracked the entire record for the instrumentals. And then Sam, he did the vocals. And um, later on, after it was tracked, you know, I went through a bunch of personal stuff, uh, which I won't get too much into, but it just basically led to, you know, uh, you know, bumming at my girlfriend's house because I was, you know, recently, you know, kind of, booted from where I was and uh, you know things happened with my job so that was falling apart and I was like what am I going to do so uh, 
all the while, you know, I'm trying to toss ideas around about what I should do with this band. And we came to the conclusion, I am, uh, I, I fully support, you know, Syracuse Hardcore and Syracuse Straight Edge. I think that they have a really solid community there um, of just people that are enthusiastic about hardcore. And Sam is my best friend on the planet. We, I have nothing but love for him. And when he was like, I think we can do kind of a more Syracuse forward standalone. I was like, you know what? I'm game. So we got Colin Flynn, Dylan Wainwright, and Lucas Reed, who Lucas at the age of 18 going into 19 was able to book the New Year's Day hardcore matinee in Syracuse for the first time. And I think it was six years and it was, you know, no warning, mind force, trail glides, regulate, wild side, uh, choice to make, uh, restraining order. And he booked it basically himself, uh, with the help of a few individuals, myself included, but, uh, it was his idea. And I was like, you know what? This guy, he loves hardcore. He cares about hardcore. He cares about standalone. I want him in the band. I want Dylan in the band. Dylan's been doing, you know, his own, uh, project and stuff and recording them himself actually to some pretty good quality, um, for a couple of years now. And Colin, he's just a good guitarist and he was straight up. So I was like, you know what? I like these guys. Let's go for it. So we started practicing and started teaching them the stuff. Uh, we actually recorded, uh, the promo for, uh, whatever it takes in Dylan's basement. I literally got on a train from Buffalo to Syracuse because I didn't have a car at the time and, uh, got off the train, went to Dylan's house, just played drums for like 20 minutes. And then, um, kind of showed them how to play a couple of the tracks on the guitar and then they tracked it and we put it out right before, uh, we opened for in Wilkes-Barre was one step closer. So yeah, it was definitely been a wild ride with that band. And I, um, it's definitely been very rewarding, but also it's just like every chance that there could be, you know, kind of a shortcoming of it, it appears to have happened, you know, because with kind of struggling with even finding where I'm going to be staying day to day, I, you know, had studio dues that I had to pay up to Jay and, you know, Jay's, a, I consider him a very good friend and I don't want to do him any wrong, but I'm like, man, I have to, you know, figure out an apartment and I'm not really working full time right now. So as soon as I got everything figured out and I was able to get him paid and we're able to, you know, have our mixes back and have it mastered and work things out with Nate, the world went into kind of lockdown and shows were no longer a thing. We had a, um, it was going to be basically our release show in Syracuse with uh, blind justice, um, no option choice to make. Uh, and I think there was one more band on it escaping me, but it was supposed to happen in April. And then obviously it's just, it wasn't to be. So we were like, you know, we can take our time putting it out. And then we went to have it set for early June to have it be released. And mind you, we had these mixes and everything ready to go since early April because we wanted to put it out before that show in April. We're like, you know, we'll just do it when, you know, kind of closer towards the end of the summer, see if maybe the lockdown could be eased and restrictions. 
And then we had a set date for, I believe it was June 5th. And then the protests happened, which obviously that should take the spotlight, you know, 100%. No argument in that regard. But it just happened to be that the day that we're looking to release it, it was all eyes on George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement as it should be. So we had to push it back even further. And then, you know, finally we're able to release it. Um, it was just, it was honestly, it felt good to just be like, okay, it's done, it's out. You know, Nate's putting out the tapes, it's gonna be fine. So um, now we're just basically trying to figure out what our strategy should be next. Should, same thing with Final Declaration, should we be writing more music? Should we kind of hone in our craft so we can be the tightest band with these songs when it's, you know, back to normal? And, you know, through this entire thing, I've been working remotely from home 40 hours a week still. And Syracuse is about two and a half hours from where I am. So uh, getting together with those guys has been, you know, not the easiest. Uh, Sam, he's a barber and, you know, those guys work pretty long days and long weeks. So uh, we're doing what we can and, you know, hopefully we'll come out of this stronger than we were before, but it's just been a year of just figuring stuff out anywhere you look. So um, definitely think it's kept me on my toes a little bit more and overall I'm satisfied with everything. I, I have no complaints. If anything, it all was a learning experience and I wouldn't change a thing about how it happened, but definitely quite the story to tell uh, on how much the world events can really affect things, minor things like just putting out a five song tape, you know, and um, even personal life events can, you know, kind of shake up how you're planning your next few months and nothing in life really is guaranteed. So that's kind of what I took away from it. Yeah. It definitely sounds like it was an interesting journey for you to you know, get from the demo to whatever it takes. And, I, you know, if I'm going to be honest, I, I was like really pleased with how that record came out. And I'm just like a huge fan of straight edge bands. And I, and I, I, I feel like more recently I, I've been like, you know, just diving more into, uh, you know, uh, current straight edge bands just trying to figure out like, you know, who's out there doing what, just cause I've, I've been straight edge for like a really long time. And it's just like, there's like a few bands that, that will pop up and that will just remind me and make me like really proud to be straight edge. And like, that was like, you know, point of contact when they dropped, uh, you know, commitment. I, I, I jammed that thing like front to back, like so many times. And I, I still love that record. And when I listened to uh, the whatever it takes, I was like, just like surprised. I was like, damn, this is so sick. Like, like, why isn't anybody talking about this band right now? And I was just like, you know, really stoked to finally be able to have you back on the podcast. Just like, just like pick your brain and just like, you know, ask you about the record. Like, like, how did you guys uh, link up with uh, 1240? Because I, I, I love Nate Prosciutti. So I was just like, you know, super stoked to see you guys working with him. Yeah, so um, actually it's kind of uh, just one of those things. I've been uh, homies with Nate for a couple of years now. Um, choice to make him one step closer, uh, actually did a weekend with Four of Our The Means that I was there for. We played Buffalo uh, just outside of Boston and um, E-Block in um, uh, New Jersey. And, you know, we... I showed all the people from Scranton and Wilkes-Barre, you know, Niagara Falls and things around Buffalo, and we're hanging out and chilling. And, you know, literally that weekend, um, 
like I would say a couple of days beforehand was when once I closer found out that they were getting the offer from Triple B, and it was like kind of the thing where I knew that they were going to blow up. So I was like, I'm I'm just waiting to see what happens, and they blew any expectation that I had out of the water with what I thought was going to happen. So um, honestly, I have nothing but love for OSC and Wilkes Bear. I have you know. Uh, a lot of friends there and you know uh at new year's day when uh what's up closer and chose to make us playing in syracuse for the new year's day matinee um we were just kind of talking with nate about um you know how we have this record kind of in uh, our back pocket and we're just uh you know working towards having it paid off and then we're going to put it out and uh, he saw us play in Wilkes-Barre two days before the New Year's Day show uh, with Inclination, once up closer, Marina Salvation, and Vicious Embrace. And then two days later, saw us play Syracuse. And he was like, you know, I like you guys. I think we should do something. So it was really just that easy. We didn't really, you know, weren't in too long of a communication about it before. We're just like, yeah, it's going to happen. So um, he was really, you know, cool with everything and uh, understanding of the situation. Um, especially with, you know, the pandemic adjusting things, but yeah, it was, he was super cool with everything. He put out the tapes, no worries. He had them like basically pressed and good to go as soon as, you know, we dropped the, the record on band camp. So it was honestly a really smooth experience. And, uh, anybody, if you could, I'd recommend if you would be interested, you know, working with Nate, he's super chill. Honestly, uh, just nothing 10 out of 10 that's all i can say and also i was also stoked to see you guys uh tapped uh pete maria to do the artwork and i i love his stuff obviously he, he's done uh, the album covers for one step closer and that's where like i first found out about him and i i just love everything that he does oh yeah i'm uh you know speaking with uh wilkes Bear, you know i gotta give a shout out to my homies and warren uh dan you know he's uh, honestly, he's just one of those people where I get a text from him and it's just like, it sticks with me because it's like, wow, it's cool that, you know, a friend like that can, you know, be cautious and be like, hey, this is a rough time. I'm just going to text around something really silly. And it's, it's cool to have that. So we're really tight with Warren. I, I would say that, um, you know, uh, I, those, that group of people, they're just genuinely good guys. And, uh, I just remember we were at a uh, Warren Place Syracuse in September last year and went to some Mexican spot that was uh, down the road from where we were playing. And, you know, we're all sitting there eating our burritos and stuff. And um, I look over and Pete is literally just like drawing my side profile on his takeout box. And then he hands me to go here. You can just have that. And it's like, dude, you really are just an array of talent. So when we're thinking about people who could do the artwork, I was like, you know, we're already going to have, you know, Nate do the, you know, the record. Why don't we just keep with the Wilkes Fair, you know, theme and hit up Pete? He's, you know, super talented. And um, let's just see if he's be, he'd be interested. Super, super chill to work with. And we were confident in him. And, um, you know, it was no pressure at all. The whole, you know, working through drafts and stuff. He was just, Honestly, it was awesome. Like super professional. These guys, they know what they're doing. So um, it was, it was 
really good to see the final product um, with the insert and uh, the actual cover because it's just like we just threw an idea at them. We're like, you know, this is going to sound corny, but we're standalone. What if we just have a guy just standing alone? <laughs> and he took the ball and he just kind of ran with it. And um, yeah, it was, it, it came out really, really good. Yeah. Shout out uh, Dan from Warren. I, I, I definitely appreciate that guy. He, he, he does a, a lot of good things. Whenever I, I reach out to him, uh, if I ever need advice or if I need, uh, you know, to get in contact with somebody, he's always going to help out. So I, I always got love for Dan and everybody in Warren. Yeah, um, only one of the funniest guys I know. So he's just—he's always there to, you know, crack. Just like, honestly, a, a pretty original joke. Whenever I, I hit him up, so I, uh, and he's always like, "Dude, just move closer to Wilkesbury. We could hang out." And I'm like, I, I wish I could, man. I really wish I could. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I, I like. I have, you know, so many friends like, you know, spread out across the U.S. Sometimes I, I wish it would uh, be easier to, to, to get to them because it's just like, uh, and I don't know if it's like one of those like, you know, the grass is greener on the other side type things. But it's just like, you know, like obviously like I love my friends that I hang out with all the time here in California. But sometimes I'm just like, man, like it, it would be cool to just kind of get up and like, you know, go hang out with like Nate Prosciutti, you know, or just like somebody that I don't get to see so often. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like kind of one of the things that we I take for granted living up in the Northeast is there's just so many like cool people that uh, are honestly not that far away. Like if I really wanted to, I could just take a day and go to Wilkes-Barre and hang out. I mean, maybe not so during the the pandemic and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I do go to Syracuse every now and then um, just to see people there. And it's just, uh, it's just, it's just cool that, you know, there's such a, couple of well-knit communities that I, I have a lot of friends with just kind of nearby yeah hell yeah but you know I, I'm, I'm really stoked on standalone because when i think of uh syracuse hardcore there's like a like you know only like a couple bands that come to mind like you know, trail of lies attitude forfeit uh, so so now that i'm you know you guys are doing it up there with standalone it, it, it's, it's cool to you know have like a fresh band from out there because I, I i definitely always like the bands that have come out of there yeah i mean syracuse definitely has an extensive list of just home runs with bands you know earth crisis trail um forfeit uh you know it's the, the list goes on and on like it would be a disservice for me to sit here and name them all because i'm sure i'll forget another one so uh you know it's, it's cool to be from you know i have ties with two cities that kind of have uh some like roots and hardcore and things like that so uh it's definitely good to be part of like kind of something fresher in the area as well just because you know um with trail lies and uh they were pretty booming for a while there um and then you know and bands kind of take their lulls and they were focusing on, you know, kind of newer material and things like that. And then the world kind of shut down. So it was cool to at least have something else to represent the area. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think it's important for you guys to kind of, you know, put it out there and just let everybody know, like, hey, like Syracuse is still here. We're still doing cool stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure, you know, when we come out of this at the other end, I'm sure it'll be even stronger because, people are just itching to kind of go out again 
and be able to experience what was already being built. I mean, New Year's Day was honestly one of the best shows I've honestly been a part of and seen uh, and just seeing how it was just kind of literally built from nearly nothing. Uh, Lucas really took the ball and ran with it and, you know, um, you know, there to help him out along the way when he needed it. But for the most part, he, he had everything going and uh, just seeing the momentum kind of uh, shift the other way just because of the world, um, you know, status right now. I just know when we come out of it, it's going to be even stronger. He's going to have something even bigger up his sleeve and we'll be there to help him out. And, you know, it's, it's just, I'm, I'm hopeful about everything coming out of it. It's just that right now it's just kind of a, everybody's standing still, you know? Yeah. I, I can't imagine you guys start off like literally you guys start off the year with such a wild show and then come mid March, things just kind of disappear and, and I know there's been uh, these uh, secret shows that have happened. I, I know there's been a couple in like a, a couple different states, and that's uh, you know fine if, if people want to do that. It, it's it's risky. Uh, I, uh, I I feel like like before cases started spiking up again because like I feel like there was at this point where California was like trending in the right direction, and you know we were you know the restaurants opened back up, uh, the bars were open again. I feel like at that point I would have been okay to go to a show, but I feel like now since things kind of like, you know, went backwards, I'm like way more apprehensive to do anything like that. I, I feel like I've gotten like way more cautious in like this, like, uh, you know, second run of COVID, which is like really strange. So I was just like, you know, it's just like, it's, it's something weird to have not gone to a show for this long. So I feel like this is like the longest in my, like since I started going to shows, this is like the longest that I haven't been to a show. Yeah. I, it's, Speaking with like kind of those secret sets and even the not so secret shows where, you know, I know right now the controversy is speaking about the show that happened recently uh, on Long Island where, you know, you had to buy a hot dog to get in and everybody was throwing their two pieces uh, about it online. Um, it, it's just, you know, the way I approach it is, you know, it, people are going to do what they want to do in this instance. And if I'm not participating and I'm doing the right thing, I, that's all I can hold myself accountable for. I just know that, you know, in this time frame, people are kind of being, uh, kind of held in basement band that had their first gig book and then it fell through right because of you know the restrictions and things and they don't necessarily have like the real foresight to see the consequences of the actions of okay we're just going to play a show everybody just wear a mask it's like it's so much more than that but it's just kind of one of those things where it's like you should just know and because you don't it's not necessarily like there's fundamentally something necessarily wrong with you it's just that you don't have the foresight to see what this could lead to. So I've been presented with the opportunities to play a show in this time. And I've always been like, it's absolutely not safe. I do not want to do it. And, um, you know, things, you know, you hold yourself accountable and responsible and, uh, you know, the numbers are down, you know, we're going back to being fully open and, you know, even to the point of having a vaccine, then I think at that point, 
you'll see these shows that you're itching for. It shows kind of a patience thing. So I I think the right thing to do is just keep it on pause. But you know, that's that's my thing. Now if you wanna, you know, berate somebody for um you know doing something like that in this time, that's on you. That's your you know, that's what you want to do, that's absolutely fine. Because I think it's just downright just irresponsible to do something like that in this time frame. But it's just all about, you know, I'm sure there's many factors that go into it. And, you know, hopefully nobody gets sick. Hopefully everybody is healthy that went to that show. And, you know, everybody who does these kind of secret things are taking precautions and um, getting tested afterwards and isolating because it's it's a scary world we're living in. I don't think people understand the consequences. Yeah, I I hundred percent agree. Like I, like there's been shows out here. Um, they they didn't come across my radar at the time. Like it was like after the fact. Like people hit me up asking like why I I wasn't there, and it's like oh you know I didn't know about it, so that's why I wasn't there. But uh, I I totally get it. Like I I'm not gonna shame anybody who's gonna try to put together a show because i'm like all right if you guys want to do it like obviously you're taking your own risk but just like don't be surprised if something bad happens so it's just like i kind of just uh just kind of let them do their own thing because obviously i'm not gonna go and try to uh, get it shut down i'm just gonna stay away and and it does suck that we're still here with no like real cure to this virus and like i'm i I usually find myself sometimes like i'll I'll be laying in bed like dreaming of what the world will be like when or if we defeat covid and i'm just like man like it's gonna be it's like such a like way more fun place to be in because like obviously like i'm thankful to have been uh been able to stay healthy and uh you know i'm still working full-time at, at my corporate job and my life hasn't uh all been altered like you know too much because of this uh so like i'm very thankful for that but it's just like i know that there's like a way better life out there for us and it's just like and, and like we were so close out here in california like literally like we went from having everything closed to things opening back up but i feel like that was kind of the mistake things opened back up and then things just got way worse and we kind of just took like you know one step forward and then like two steps back and it's just like uh, it just kind of blows my mind sometimes that uh, that like wearing a mask has like become a political thing when it's just like it, no this shouldn't be a political thing this is about life or death like we're trying to prevent this from spreading we're trying to save lives like come on like this isn't some weird like government conspiracy and I think conspiracy theories are fun like I regularly listen to a conspiracy theory podcast and I, I dive into things sometimes but it's just like when I look at this like whole mask situation I'm like dude it's it's just a mask like I love Halloween like dressing up is fun like just like you know just kind of change your perspective and like just know that this is to help save literally your life like and, and it's just temporary like this isn't something that's like okay we have to wear these forever but at, at this point that's what it kind of feels like because things aren't getting better but it's just like dude just wear it temporarily let's just try to slow this thing down and you know kind of let it run its course or try to have time to keep people alive to find a cure it's just like just so mind-blowing to me that like something so simple that people just can't get behind and it's just like making things worse it's like i feel like we're like crabs in a bucket and it's just like it, it's so irritating sometimes yeah, crabs in the bucket. That's I haven't heard of that one. That's good. Um, yeah, it's just you know, in 
so my understanding is, and my school will find something wrong with anything in this life. And, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, having to wear a mask out in public or, you know, uh, you know, not celebrating, uh, a two century old flag that literally stood for, um, the state's right to, uh, carry out and continue slavery. Like those things in, in my brain, that's just common sense. Like you just don't, you should do that. You know, you should not, uh, be celebrating that type of history. You should not be, you know, arguing with a part-time retail worker who makes, you know, $12 an hour about why you should not have to wear a mask when you're at this savers. It's like, what are you doing? It's just, I, I but there's kind of a uh, personality where people feel entitled and like they have kind of a lot of things out to get them at all times. And I'm not sure if it's, you know, how people are brought up. I'm not sure if it's, you know, something deeper in root than that, but it's, it definitely appears to be just kind of something that people are kind of holding on to, to, you know, still be upset about, you know, it's, it's just like, this is, it's not just your life you're saving, you know, it's that worker at the store, it's that worker's mother, you know, things like that. I haven't seen, my mom has taken this quarantine. I literally haven't seen her since February. So it's like, it's the people's lives are truly being affected by that. And I, like I said, with the, you know, the whole show thing, some people just don't have the foresight to see the consequence. They just see what's being enacted towards them now. And they see it as an infringement of the rights or whatever. And it's, it's, you know, it's hard to fundamentally change a person when they're thinking like that. So you just gotta kind of be responsible yourself and lead by example. And then, hopefully just write it out until there's, you know, a vaccine or a remedy for the virus that can have it slowed down or, you know, some type of herd immunity and just literally hope for the best. That's all that I've been, you know, holding on to for this entire thing. Cause it's super easy to just get discouraged and be like, we're never coming out of this. Every country is going to lock us out forever. I live so close to Canada and Canada, their fries are vegan at McDonald's. I've wanted them for months now. I can't. Because the borders are straight up shut down. I can't go to certain states without having to quarantine when I come back. You just got to kind of just write it out. And once things go back to normal, you know, it'll be a different, it'll be a different world when we come out of it, but it'll still have a lot of resemblance to what we had before. I'm tripping out on those fries at McDonald's. I had no idea that they were vegan over there. Yeah, they don't use the beef seasoning, and they don't cook them in uh, the uh, the oil that they use here in America. So in Canada, they're actually vegan, and it's right across the border. Like, I'm literally, I could be like 15 minutes from a Canadian McDonald's. Damn. Okay. Uh, well, don't you have friends across the way uh, that could just kind of ship you over or, or toss them over? Well, it's <laughs> it's quite a big lake. And okay. I'm sure that'll, you know, border security is pretty tight. I'm sure they'll have a drone come by and be like, yo, what are you doing? <laughs> um, 
but yeah, like the border is super locked down and uh, you can basically only come and go if you have like permissions through the government for work to do so. Like there's some Canadian uh, people that work in America and vice versa, mm-hmm. but other than that, you can't get across. Yeah. Well, I, I don't blame them for wanting to close their borders and keep us out because it, it's just, uh, you know, it, it's it's so wild how and, and it's uh, it, I kind of read this like meme and it was like, you know, uh, like the way like America looks at Florida is the way that the world looks at. Did I butcher that? It's the way that um, the world looks at America like Florida, if that makes sense. Yeah. So like. Yeah, like, (laughs) yeah, so it's basically like, oh my, (laughs) so the only thing I can picture is like the astronaut meme, where it's the astronaut being like, we've been Florida the whole time, and then the other guy's other astronauts holding the gun being like, always have been, and it's just like, he's looking at the map of the United States. (laughs) Yeah. That's like how the world views this. Yeah, it's so bad. You know, I, I was driving home from work today and uh, I, I was thinking about it because I have like this annual trip in uh, the end of October th- that I do in Florida. I, I go uh, to Orlando to Disney World with like this awesome group of people. Shout out to everybody that goes with me. Uh, and I was just like driving home today. I was like, man. I don't know if I, if I'm going to go this year. Cause obviously uh, like our, our main plans is like all like Halloween themed stuff. And like uh, the things that we normally do got canceled, but like the park's still open and like normally by now, like, you know, flights are already booked. Like we have like, you know, everything set in stone, but since the pandemic things are just so up in the air, like we don't really know like what we're going to do. And I'm just so just like, like torn up about it. Cause I'm just like, man, like I love going. Cause I, I just love hanging out with my friends. Cause that's the only time I, well, not the only time I, I see them like once or twice a year and it's you know, doing these trips and I, I just love seeing them and hanging out. But it's just like, I, I want everybody to be healthy. I, I want everybody to feel safe. Cause I don't want anybody to feel guilty about not going or feel like they have to go, especially like during these times. So it's, it's just like, this is just so bad right now because I'm just like, man, this is something like that I normally look forward to, like you know, because it's always like you know, a hundred percent, like the like one of the best times of the year for me. So it's just like today I was driving home and I was thinking about it, like I don't even know what's gonna happen, like I don't even know where we're gonna be at come October. Yeah, and you know, October's not that far out, so you know, with the numbers where they are right now, especially with you know a lot of schools being forced to reopen, I I'm not sure how good it's gonna look. But the good news is, you know. There's many more Octobers to be had and, you know, coming out of this, you know, the potential for, you know, going next year is still there. So it's not like if you don't go now, you'll never be able to go. So that's the kind of thing that I've been, you know, carrying me through this. Like I'm I'm a big movies guy. My Mm -hmm. way of relaxing is going to see a movie. Literally the week before the the lockdown happened, I, I could not have timed this any better. I literally took a trip to Canada, went to three of my favorite restaurants in Toronto with my girlfriend. Then we came home and I saw four movies that week. And then the next week we're on lockdown. So it was like, I, I couldn't have gone out in a bigger, you know, a bigger boom. Cause literally when we we're coming home, that was one of the last days that the border was open for just like recreational crossing. So it was, uh, you know, just kind of getting through that, just realizing like, I'm not sure when I'm going to be able to do that again. You know, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to sit down in the theater and see a movie again. And when it opens up, is it a good idea to go? Is it safe to go? And the thing that's getting me through it is eventually 
we'll be able to do things as we have before, even if there's some restriction. Like, I'm not sure how far the mask thing is going to go. I think some people are still going to do it for their own, you know, you know, putting their own self at ease, kind of as kind of like a courtesy. Um, but it's definitely like something that's been eating at me too. Like, I'm like, how are shows going to be? How are tours going to be? How is, you know, uh, going to theme parks going to be? I'm just think I'm overthinking and overstimulating on a lot of stuff. And it's like right now I, those answers aren't there and just taking it day by day. So that's my advice to you is just, I know it's probably something you've been looking forward to for like the whole year, but there's always next October and, you know, once things ease up, you can even take like a spring trip maybe next year and, you know, go for a different time or something like that. But uh, I just, you know, I, I wouldn't get too down on it because the opportunity is always going to be there. For sure. I, I, yeah. I, I, it's going to um, like reassess and just kind of you know, change my mindset because obviously it, it, it's a privilege to be able to fly across the country and go to a theme park. You know, it, it's not something that um, like a, a lot of people are fortunate enough to do. So the fact that I'm able to do it, uh, you know, I've been doing it for like the past couple of years. It's, you know, something that, uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough to do. And so I, I just got to, you know, just kind of just alter my, my perspective, but I uh, definitely appreciate the kind words. Uh, but I'm just so curious, like, so you live in a place where you're so close to uh, the Canadian border, you can just cross over and, you know, go into Canada. It, it's like, you know, it sounds like it's something you've done frequently. I, I'm like really curious about that. Like what are these restaurants that you're going over there for? Cause I feel like that's pretty awesome that you're able to just cross over and go into a whole nother country. Yeah, I mean, um, I lived in Niagara Falls um, my whole life until, you know, this January. Then I moved to uh, uh, Buffalo, which is only like a 25-minute drive. And, you know, uh, it's a border town. I actually uh, was seeing somebody in Canada for a little bit, and literally it was a nine-minute drive to the border, and then I was in Canada. So it was just, like, super easy. Uh, Toronto's, like, I want to say like an hour-ish, a little bit more than that, uh, like an hour and a half, I would say, with traffic probably around two hours. I might be mixing that up. It's, it's been a while, but yeah. Uh, I We went, uh, my girlfriend and I, uh, we went, we booked an Airbnb, and even when we're getting ready to go, I'm like, should we be doing this? Like, this is a different country. Like, we're going to an Airbnb. We don't know if these people are safe. Like, it was uh, like when things were kind of super uncertain, and we're like, are we going to be stuck there <laughs> if the borders close? Are we going to be able to come back home? Get the quarantine? What's going to happen? So we just still went. We're like, whatever, whatever happens will happen. Uh, we went to Doonies in Toronto, which is pretty famous. I, I'm sure they have an LA location too. Uh, it's fully vegan. Um, I remember I got they had like a vegan cordon bleu sandwich with uh, animal style fries um, on the side, and it was fully vegan. Super, super good. Um, and then. Uh, there's a fully vegan pizza place in Toronto called Apocalypse Now. Uh, we got uh, a vegan poutine, which uh, I'm not sure if you know what poutine is. It's kind of like a Canadian thing. Yeah. It's like gravy on top of fries. Yeah, with um, like curds, right? Yeah, with the jumbo cheese curds. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have, I've got a vegan poutine and then a uh, vegan mac and cheese pizza. So super, super good. And then uh, the next morning we went and got brunch. I had a vegan chicken Caesar wrap from uh, Hogtown Vegan in Toronto. So definitely giving you some plug right now for some good 
vegan eats in Toronto at least. But there's still some stuff right across the border. There's a pizza spot that's escaping me right now. Um, they do a good vegan Big Mac pizza, actually. So, um, you know, now that I'm talking about it, I'm like, oh, dude, I just want to go so bad. There's um, <laughs> in Canada, you know, the company that makes um, the Sour Patch Kids. Okay. They have this flavor that's available in Canada, but not in the U.S. And it's they're called Sour Cherry Blasters. They're really just like these, basically like cherry flavored gushers, but they're like sour patch, and they're kind of they're so good. They have like a cherry juice inside, and they're they're like shaped like a cherry with all the artificial coloring and stuff. Super terrible for you, but they're vegan and they're super good. I uh, when we were leaving uh, Toronto, coming back to Buffalo, I actually bought a couple packs just because I knew I was like I got a feeling they're gonna close these borders now. It's gonna be a while, and you know, like two months into the lockdown, I was like, you know what? This is probably going to end soon. I'm just going to do it. And that was in May. So it was about uh, three months ago now. And I'm like, you know what? I probably should have saved those. <laughs> so as uh, soon as that border opens up, I'm going to get some fries and some cherry blasters. Hell yeah. That's awesome. I, I feel like I'm like dying to get out to Canada, especially to um, that side of Niagara Falls. Cause I, huge fan of wild side shout out wild side and i uh, talk to uh, brandon pretty frequently he comes on my um, mma um, podcast and i i've, I've always ju- i've always just wanted to go out there and see what it's like i've never been to canada so i feel like it would be cool to go out there hang out with brandon just kind of see what's going on and then i would love to go to toronto just see what it's like out there because i feel like uh like out of all like the food shows that i watch people talk about that like the food out in toronto or excuse me out in toronto is like really good like it definitely rivals like the stuff that we have out here in la so i'm I'm just like really curious to see what it's like out there yeah toronto's honestly awesome it's uh it's comparable as a city to you know kind of just like a lot of the metro cities that we have here in america it's really really similar and the food is like super super good and from niagara falls uh i think it's like an hour and a half to two hour drive yeah which isn't bad at all like i like a couple months ago i drove through texas and that felt like forever just to get out of texas like we were in austin and just to get out of texas it just felt like forever and like it was like my turn to drive so i had to do that whole stretch to get out of texas and it was so wild for like like how long I was driving and it felt like we didn't leave or get that far. It was so insane. So two hours, not a problem. I could do that like easy. That's light work. Yes. It's literally, I would do it. Um, I used to play in this band edge control in Syracuse and I would do it like every Sunday. So now it's just, it's nothing for me. So yeah, I honestly, um, in my touring experience, I've actually done kind of like East coast runs. I haven't really explored anything past the Midwest. Um, so everybody always talks about Texas and, you know, I'm sure the day's going to come where I'm going to have to go through there. And I'm just like, I'm already dreading it. And it's not even like a thing yet. <laughs> it's just so many people are just like driving through that is just the absolute worst. So, uh, <laughs> it definitely just like kind of, you know, uh, you know, solidifies one of my worries about when touring starts, like, I don't want to be in a state for that long. It's just, I feel weird. <laughs> 
yeah no i i feel like you should definitely experience it because it, it's, it's definitely a trip because like you don't realize how big that state is and, and until you're actually in it because like i feel like when you look at a map like the, the, the scale is just off like it, it just it's not right because it, it's so big so uh, i i feel like it'll be an interesting experience for you to do that whenever that happens yeah and you know nothing's in the works right now but i'm sure you know once we come out of this we'll we'll figure something out but um yeah and just uh i i I don't know i just i don't my notion of texas is that you know it's i don't think i think of is like there's so many kind of big cities in texas and it's like i've i've seen people just like do kind of cut and paste pictures of the United States where they just put Texas over a couple of different states, but like this is how big this state is. And it's like, it eats up the whole entire like New England area in New York. So, and that's quite a bit of driving just to get through one state. So, uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see when we get there. I'll, I'll, I'll text you the whole way if I ever have to go through Texas. All right. Uh, but just a piece of advice. Uh, don't let, uh, yeah, uh, just make sure you have the right person driving because you don't want another story where you guys end up going too far out of the way. Oh my god, yeah, I'm sure he still denies that to the day. I don't even want to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that dude. There is no way. I, I'm not getting into it. I'm not getting into it. <laughs> Listen to the other episode we did if you're interested. And I know he did a rebuttal in his own episode uh, for yeah. Dylan. So yeah, that tour. Honestly, that was like that whole thing was so much fun. It was just such a blur. So, yeah, that was that was a good time. Okay, uh, and I'm curious because like I'm I'm a huge fan of going to the movies too, and I uh, I I feel like it's very therapeutic because I I I'd normally uh, hit up my buddy Garrett if he's available to go to the movies. Cool. If not, I'll just roll solo. And it, I I would go like midday, uh, you know, the middle of the week, and theater would be like you know couple people sprinkled throughout here and there and and i always felt like it was just like super chill just to be able to go just you know get some overpriced snacks enjoy a nice film and yeah it was just such a cool experience because like obviously like i i have like a really nice tv at home i have like you know nice equipment whatever but i i feel like it's just not the same going you know to the theater because it's just something that i've done you know like as a kid my mom used to take me to the movies i remember we went and saw you know pokemon mortal kombat like you know like all the classic Disney movies. So it's just like something that I've always loved doing. So the fact that like, and I didn't even think that'd be something that I missed during this whole pandemic, like, you know, going to the movies, that's something that I just never thought that that would be a thing. But since uh, it hasn't been available, I'm like, damn it. Like I would love to go sit in a dark, cold theater and try not to fall asleep and waste my money and just enjoy this movie, you know? Yeah. And you know, my, my girlfriend and I were, were very like movie forward couple, like, we would just go and do it on the whim, you know, whenever we could. Mm-hmm. I had uh, Regal, they had like the, the movie pass thing basically where it was like the Regal Unlimited. You can just see however many movies a month you want. It's only like 20 bucks. That's nice. And as soon as I got that, it was just like everything I could go see, I was going to see. And I don't know, it's just like something super like nostalgic about it, even though these are movies I've never seen before. It's just like, you know, going and getting, you know, your drink. And, um, you know, I, I typically, you know, you know, I bring stuff in myself. I'm one of those guys. Okay. Like, I hope the CEO of Regal isn't listening right now, but yeah, uh, definitely bringing in my own. I've I brought in you know Chipotle burrito right in my fanny pack and oh wow that much. Uh, <laughs> That's yeah, wild. Spider Man <laughs> from home. Yeah. <laughs> 
just unzipped it and I'm just munching. It was pretty good. Um, but yeah, I just like, it just reminds me of when I was a kid, like you said, and, you know, getting the drink with, you know, my, my dad or my mom. And, uh, I don't know. It's just, I just remember the first movie I saw was actually Toy Story 2. I'd have been like, I don't know, maybe three or four years old at that time. Mm-hmm. And I just, there's something so vivid about it. And it's just like, not necessarily like I'm chasing that, but it's like, I feel that way whenever I go. So I, as soon as it was all shut down and I was like, oh man, this is going to be rough. And it just keeps on getting pushed further and further out. But I know honestly going to the movies is probably one of the easiest way to catch the entire thing. You're sitting in a room well, you know, circulated, not really too much circulated air going in and out. And you're just sitting there for two hours. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's, <laughs> that's like rule number one. You're not supposed to do that. So, um, once it's safe, I'm for sure going to go. And, uh, there's actually a drive in near me that's been uh, showing stuff, but there's not a lot of like good movies coming out through like those channels. Mm-hmm. Like I, I really wanted to see, uh, King of Staten Island at the drive-in and then like the weekend before it's supposed to come out uh universal they just pulled it from all the drive-ins that were slated to um to air it and they went just straight for you know the uh theater at home idea and having it be on like voodoo and itunes and things like that so Mm -hmm. i was like i i was looking forward to that experience to seeing a genuine movie that i was like really excited to see before the pandemic and then you know, be able to still kind of have that experience, and then they just cancel it. I was like, I don't understand, but all right. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know, I'm a huge Disney fan, and we were like a a week away from getting uh, the live action Mulan, and the pandemic hit, everything closed, and then it was just like up in the air. They're like, oh, like we don't know when Mulan's going to come out, and then there was like you know rumored dates of the theater because um, this is. Uh, AMC that I'm speaking about because they're like, you know, part of Disney or whatever. And uh, we're getting like these rumored dates, but then California had to close back again. So that date just got thrown out the window. And then like, uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before they just announced that Mulan's not getting like a theatrical release. It's just going straight to uh, Disney plus. And uh, there's going to be like a, I think it's like a $30 fee that um, you just like pay to, to watch it, which I'm totally fine with. Like I, I feel like that's, you know, when you look at, like a normal trip to the movies i feel like that's like you know fair price if you look at it through those lens but like i get 30 bucks to watch movie it is kind of pricey uh but i, I at this point i'm like i just want to see it so like i'm down to drop the 30 and i i did have enjoyed these like you know straight to you know digital like theatrical releases um because like you know I, I saw like trolls 2 or whatever like just did like record numbers and i'm like yeah like it, it's definitely possible because like technology is like you know moving really fast like you know people are uh, way more like have way more access to better internet these days so it's not uncommon for people to be able to stream things at like you know these uh you know higher resolutions so i do think that is a cool thing that they're doing uh but i i still love going to theater just like i said i have a nice tv but it just doesn't give me the same vibe of being um, in a movie theater so I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to getting back to it whenever it does happen yeah and um you know, speaking with that Mulan thing, and I saw it was like uh, the thirty dollars. It was that's quite a lot, especially with like a lot of these things being like rental only, so you can only see them once. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure I read that um, they announced that it'll be on the 
your Disney Plus account as long as the account is still active. So you're still paying for your subscription. So that's cool to where you can still watch it again. But I don't know. A Blu-ray doesn't even cost 30. You know what I mean? That's, that's where I'm coming from. I'm yeah. like, I, I'm a big physical copy guy. Like I have, I have a, a bunch of Blu-ray too. And I don't know. I just like, I feel like 30 is pushing it, but I get it. You know, these Disney is a bigger studio. They paid a lot of money for that movie. And for it to just be, you know, free to stream on Disney plus definitely is probably not an option for them for the investment they put in. And when you think of like a family of five or six that would go to the theaters to see that, that's like $70 of revenue. So from a family perspective, it's actually more of a, you know, kind of a common sense budget thing. If you're going to go see it as a family unit, you're paying basically half the price, but you know, myself, you know, and uh, my girlfriend, you know, a trip for us would have been, you know, my monthly movie thing was like 20 bucks. And we would typically go see a movie like that on like the Tuesday discount night. So overall it would have been just 25 bucks and you get the whole experience of the theater. And um, I don't know. It's just, I'm, I'm not necessarily trying to like make a pitch to Disney, but I'm not sure if I, I think 30 bucks is a little high. Yeah, I, I feel like th- that price one has to tie into because like you, you got to think about all the money that they dumped into marketing and that just kind of went nowhere because <laughs> there's nothing open. So I, I feel like they're probably trying to like even it out because they they, uh, they had this figure and I was, I'm trying to like remember the numbers off the top of my head, but I think they said they had like uh, it was like a, was it 10 million or 100 million like subscribers? I can't remember. And they're just like talking about like the the amount of like you know the cost of disney plus subscription like you know and then the amount of subscribers i was like dude that's so much money so they're like um you know kind of just like you know trying to uh, equate how many people they think would actually spend the 30 dollars um you know versus how many subscribers they have and i was just like all right I, was like, I guess it kind of makes sense but but like I, I get it it's like some big corporate thing like i i in my opinion i think this movie is probably gonna be not as good as the other ones just because like i'm i i, I love the original mulan uh, and it's not because I'm Asian or maybe it's be- it, it, it is because I'm Asian. I don't know, uh, but it's just super awesome. But there's like these key elements, <laughs> there's these key elements of the movie that aren't there. And I'm just like, not sure how it's going to play out without, um, you know, these things that are like Disney staples. So it's just like, uh, you know, just, it was just really interesting for me to, uh, want to go check out and see how they're able to get, or how they're able to try to recreate this um, story without these key things that I think were like, you know, very important to the original film. Yeah. And, you know, especially with this kind of resurgence of a lot of the uh, live action recreations of the Disney movies and the animated movies. I think, I feel as though it's a lot of like nostalgia driven, but I think they're trying to make it like too hyper realistic. Um, and it's either a, it's too like gritty for the real world or they're trying to, Play too much homage to the original just with live action um so i guess i was a little curious myself to see it just for that respect but it's like 30 bucks is pretty steep dude <laughs> like i get it like you're trying you get, it's an investment you got to make your money back um especially with the marketing because that's mostly where you know a lot of the money is being funneled to and then you know nothing came of it because of you know the theaters being closed but um disney's a pretty you know big you know, it's honestly up there. With, it's it's probably top three of like most recognized franchises or corporations in the entire world. So um, 
I'm sure they would could have gotten the money back somehow, but I, I get where they're I get where they're coming. Like I just from a consumer standpoint, it's just I don't see myself doing that. I think I'll just wait for it to actually come to Disney Plus in like six months after the release. Um, so I don't know. That's just that's just my own personal. I'm not too big on it now. For Black Widow, it might be different just because I'm so like heavily invested with the MCU and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll just I want to see that as soon as possible. And if they call this route for Black Widow, then I might have to do it at that point in time. But I'll I'll just kind of cut my losses at that point. Yeah, and I, I totally didn't even mention that. Yeah, like um, it's not mandatory to to pay the thirty. You could just wait it out because it's eventually going to get to Disney Plus anyways. And they they've been doing a really good job at, at putting some of the, the the newer stuff that have come out uh, onto Disney Plus. Like obviously with the pandemic being so fresh, they pushed onward, which was like their um, last movie to hit theaters um, onto Disney Plus like really fast. And uh, that was like a really good move in my opinion, just to, cause just so that movie didn't like lose any spotlight or any shine or people, you know, or give the chance or give the chance for people to forget about it. So they're like, all right, cool. Like uh pandemic's happening. Movie theaters are closed. We're going to take our last movie and we're going to put it on Disney plus for everybody that hasn't had a chance to see it to, to get that opportunity. So I, I thought that was like a really cool move on, on their part. Yeah. And uh, honestly, I haven't checked out onward yet. I'm, uh, I, like I, I'm super nostalgic for Pixar and stuff. Toy Story mm-hmm. is one of my favorite movies, and um, uh, it's one of those things where it's like there's just so much content at my disposal right now that I don't really know what to check out first. And I just find myself kind of in this like circle of just watching you know older movies that I've already seen before, but it's just like I haven't seen them in a long time, so I just want to take this time to refresh. But there's just so much stuff that I like. I need to check out like. I still haven't, not that I really want to, but um, I still haven't even tried watching Tiger King. That was like at the beginning of this whole pandemic thing. <laughs> yeah, oh I my just, God. Yeah, I, Yeah. so I just like, I'm super behind with stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when HBO Max dropped, I was like, oh, I got to watch Curb. So that's kind of been what I've been watching. I'm actually super deep in Grey's. Now I've been I'm still not done yet. It's been like five months. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm more of a movie guy, so I don't really watch shows that much. But when I get dedicated to a show, it's kind of all I want to really focus on. Yeah. So, I don't know. It, it's tough, but I, I watched a couple of new movies like Palm Springs on Hulu. I don't know if you checked it out. That was oh. pretty good. Yeah, um, dude, dude I, I grew up in Palm Springs. Uh, or not in the city of Palm Springs. I grew up in the Palm Springs area. I, I grew up in La Quinta. Uh, so anytime there's anything that has to do with like where I like the area that I grew up, like I'm like super like, you know, into it because I, I always think it's like weird and kind of cool that, uh, you know, the area that I grew up in is getting some shine. So when I saw that the trailer for Palm Springs, I was like, oh, this looks actually pretty awesome. It's like, you know, right up my alley. Like I love those kind of movies. So I, I definitely saw it the, the day it came out. Yeah, dude, that that movie rocks. So anybody listen, if you haven't checked out, super give it a watch if you like Groundhog's Day. Or even Brooklyn Nine Nine with Andy Samberg. It's honestly, it's one of my favorite things I watched this year. It was super good. Oh, yeah. um, so, um, but it's super cool that, like, like you said, like a lot of you know companies and stuff are just putting out you know content like that. Like I know Netflix picked up a bunch of movies that were slated to come out, but were kind of in this weird limbo space because they didn't get the theatrical release they wanted. Um, you know, uh, like Lovebirds and. Uh, they picked up that Eric Andre movie, um, Bad Trip. 
it hasn't come they haven't uh put it up for streaming yet but they picked it up so it's just super cool to see stuff like that because it's like the same thing we're kind of similar as like tying back to what we talked about with hardcore like the industry is still trying to at least look out for you know the creators and things like that and uh, make sure that audiences still have something fresh to look out for and i don't know it's just it's super cool yeah man uh i i, I like that we're uh at least like the internet has gotten so far advanced that we're able to stay super interchange because I, I couldn't imagine doing the pandemic if like we just had to rely on like normal cable which would be like super weird like i, I can't get out of the house oh, the man. show's on at 7 30 like I, I don't want to miss anything like that th- those <laughs> days are just so weird so like, I, I can't even imagine <laughs> having to do it like that i like, go like super old school oh dude i like just imagine the pandemic in 2008 oh my god <laughs> like I don't even think like the PlayStation and Xbox was out as we know it at that point in time. And what I've been like focusing on with the pandemic and like keeping themselves entertained. I have no idea if this were even 12, 10 or 12 years ago, how we would have handled it with just like the pastime. Like I, I think it would have been. Oh, that's I, a super weird box to have. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it, it, there'd either be like civil war, or we would just accept that we yeah. were <laughs> we were a COVID country because like people would, like I feel like people would go crazier way faster back then if they were put in this situation now. You know? Yeah, especially with like so much dependence on like kind of TV news media for information and things like that. Oh, I well, think because. Okay, no, I, I was going to say uh, we were just going to uh, probably just end up like way more brainwashed than we already are, you know? Yeah, so like I, I remember I was younger um, and swine flu was going around and I actually, my family, my my sister, myself, my brothers, we all had it. Oh, and wow. yeah, like that super sucked. It was just like honestly the most sick I've probably been in my entire life. But like we got through it and I don't know if it was because I was young and I was able to kind of like bounce back pretty quick, but it's just like, I feel like even then I was like, this is the end of the world as I know it. And like, I've always been super kind of like scared of the apocalypse and things like that. Like things ending, like, mm-hmm. uh, I was in the eighth grade in 2011 when, uh, you know, that like May 21st rapture stuff was going to happen. And I super bought into it. And I was just like sitting in my bed, listening for the police scanner to be like, all right, people are just starting to float in the sky. And if you're here, you're done. Like, so I was just, I was actually just talking about this the other day because somebody brought up um, how they never had cheddar jalapeno Cheetos. And I remember specifically that day, I went on a trip to Cleveland uh, for the Rock Roll Hall of Fame with like the school band, it's like the middle school band. And the only thing I had to eat that day w- was those cheddar jalapeno Cheetos. And like, I was super having like a crazy panic attack. Like, dude, this world is about to be fucking done. Like, we're, we're about to die. And, all I could taste and like burp up was like the taste of Cheetos. So if I ever would have come across like, like a vegan version of those that tasted like close, I honestly might just like spiral back. Like it's just like so embedded with the memory. That's wild. Yeah. Damn dude. Yeah. I, I feel like I've played like uh, so much fallout that I'm somewhat prepared for some post-apocalyptic world. I, I think of like fallout and the book of Eli. I'm like, okay, I was like, I'm, I studied those pretty well. And I feel like I'm pretty capable, so I'm just like you know, uh, just gonna be like you know, just ready and just kind of take it as it uh, you know comes. 
Yeah, I just like I think my kind of way of like coping with stuff like that is like finding out everything I possibly can about the subject. Like when I was younger, um, you know, um, I, I, I've been straight edge since I was uh, 11 and um, I've always in my, you know, my heart and my mind always knew even from a very young age, I was always going to be sober just because, you know, tough family stuff I went through when I was a kid and stuff. But one of the things I did as soon as I could, I just like, just so I could understand it. I just found out everything I possibly could about drugs and like all these facts and stuff. And like, I'll have these tidbits and stuff that like people who are like, aren't you like straight edge and like playing straight edge band? Like, why do you know this weird shit? And I was like, I don't know. Like I, it's like, you kind of fear what you don't understand. So I wanted to try and understand why I though. And, uh, so I was like, I'm just going to find everything I can. And, you know, I realized this stuff's not for me, but if it's for you, that's absolutely chill. You can do your life the way you want. It's just, I've seen, you know, kind of the, uh, the effects that this, uh, substances and stuff have on people. And I'm going to choose to stay away from it. And that's like my whole foundation for being straight edge. And, I still just wanted to be like, I got to be really informed. So when, you know, something like the threat of a rapture is going on, I'm in the eighth grade. I'm like 14 at the time. And, you know, I, I kind of, not necessarily that like I buy in to everything that I was seeing, but it was just like, it was just a super, I didn't know what to believe. I never been presented with something like this before. I was young and it was super like, impressionable on me so i was like how would i move past this like will people just be zombies now like i'm, I'm like running through every scenario in my brain uh, that night is like a super vivid memory for me i don't know why i don't know if i'm like fixating too much of my childhood trauma right now on the show for your for your listenership but um yeah that's just that uh, that's my connection with cheddar jalapeno cheetos uh movies and drugs all right. Well, seriously, Ron, it, it was definitely really good to uh, be able to have this conversation with you because obviously, I'll you know I, I tap in with you if I ever need any help or information. Uh, but it, but it's just nice to be able to sit down and uh, you know do this podcast with you, and uh, it's nice to hear that uh, you know you have these awesome bands going on. I love the fact that you're in uh, an awesome straight edge band, and you're still going strong with being straight edge because there's been you know some important people that have uh, you know fallen away from that, which is you know that's their thing. I I don't get it, but you know um, I just gotta appreciate the ones that still stick around. So props to you for that I, I definitely appreciate it uh, but before we sign off is there anything you want to shout out or plug yeah um no thing that really comes to mind uh right now is uh we still have tapes up for standalone uh whatever it takes um we are uh donating uh, all of the proceeds to the tapes as well as the uh pre-order for the shirt um to a local chapter in syracuse um who uh you know uh all proceeds are going towards like bail bonds and things in Syracuse. Um, and, uh, final declaration, uh, we don't really have too much up right now for merch, but you can just check out line in the sand on, as well as whatever it takes by standalone on any streaming platforms on Bandcamp, uh, Apple music, Spotify. Um, and just be on the lookout soon for 
you know, cool stuff from either. Got a lot of stuff in the works. Uh, and you can uh, check me out on Instagram, rxh underscore 716. Check out Final Declaration on Instagram, uh, Final Declaration. Um, and you can also check out Standalone as well. Um, I believe it's X, Standalone X, just because we got to hit that. Uh, oh, no, it was formerly X, Standalone X, now Standalone 315. Um, so, yeah, that's basically all I have to plug here. Uh, thank you again, Jamie, for having me on. Uh, and, you know, Straight Edge is an individual effort that just uh, turned into a community. So just that's what keeps me through it, even when, you know, I see people kind of not seeing the the right thing in the cause. The whole thing is about standing alone, whatever it takes. So that's that's kind of where the record comes from. So um, definitely uh, glad you had me on here today. It was good talking with you. Uh, honestly, probably some of the most human interaction I've had in a couple of weeks. So thank you so much for this, and I'm glad to be on. All right, Ron. Thank you. Huge supporter of you. Just keep doing what you do. Definitely appreciate it. Thank you guys again for tuning in. This has been another episode of the Jamie K podcast. Always on top. <laughs>